Good morning. First of all, I feel like I need to apologize right off the bat. Two weeks ago, I was talking about how the seasons were changing. <laughs> and I will say at that point, I did say that all of us who've lived here for a while know that that doesn't mean that we're not going to have more winter. And man, it came on with a vengeance. I think in the last uh, two weeks since I preached that sermon, I don't think there's been a day without snow. So <laughs> maybe that just goes to show how much stock you should put in what I tell you. <laughs> so here we are today, second Sunday of Lent. And um, today we get to hear this beautiful, I, I think it's just a beautiful story about Nicodemus. Um, I love this story, and frankly, I love Nicodemus. On a little side note, when I first started going to the Iona School, which is a school in name only, I, I went to Casper uh, to get my training to become ordained. Um, and on the very, I'll, I'll never forget, on the very first day that I was there in the basement of the diocesan headquarters, and we did one of those things that I love so much, an icebreaker exercise. Um, and since this is about as churchy a setting as you can get, the idea was pick a character from the Bible, your favorite character from the Bible, and introduce yourself to this other person and talk about that favorite Bible character. I thought about it for a few minutes, and I realized that my favorite Bible character is Nicodemus, uh, mostly because he always asks the wrong questions, and I can relate to that 100%. So I love Nicodemus. I, I, I'm also drawn to these other characters in the Bible, Thomas the twin, who we tend to call Doubting Thomas, is another favorite of mine because um, he doesn't quite get it right at first either, just like Nicodemus. Uh, Peter's another favorite because he never seems to get anything right. Um, these are the characters in the Bible that I'm drawn to because they are so human and um, they all have feet of clay and and I just love that. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Why is this? Well, he's an expert. He's a religious expert, and he is a leader of the Jewish people. So, you know, Jesus has caused incredible disruption in Jerusalem. Uh, just prior to this nighttime visit from Nicodemus. In fact, the day before, I think it was the day before, it was right before it in the narration anyway, he actually goes into the temple and throws the tables over. He literally turns everything upside down uh, once in that, in that symbolic act. And also just in general, Jesus is kind of dismantling, today we might say deconstructing, he's dismantling the reality of 
the religious people in Palestine. And so I mean, it's no wonder, I guess, that Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Maybe he's afraid of what his cohorts in the Sanhedrin might say about him. Maybe he's scared. Maybe he's embarrassed. We don't know for sure, but he comes to Jesus by night, and he doesn't lead off with a question, but he leads off with a statement that's full of questions. Um, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So Nicodemus knows that there's something special going on here, something very disruptive and something kind of mysterious. And, and so he comes to Jesus with this curious and open attitude and, and makes the statement that I just read. Um, and then Jesus answers him. Right? answers his non-question by saying, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus goes, hmm. Do we kind of go, hmm, when we hear that? Nicodemus has a very reasonable question to Jesus' answer. Nicodemus says back, How can anyone be born after having grown old? How can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? It's a reasonable question to an outlandish statement, right? You have to be born from above. You have to be born by water and spirit. And Nicodemus says, how in the world can that be? And what we need to remember is that Nicodemus lived in, in the time that he lived. The world was a religious place. It was a place that's maybe even hard for us to imagine. We who come to church every Sunday, we have a sense that the world is a religious place, but when we step outside those doors, we're not living in a religious world, not in the same way that Nicodemus was living in a world that was full of God, where God's presence was, presence was felt and was really real, and everyone's lives were actually structured around and within their religion, we don't have that today. When we walk out those doors, we walk into a world that is scientific, scientistic, I would say. In other words, we have a logical, rational explanation for everything that happens in that world out there. So Nicodemus couldn't understand what Jesus was saying because he was locked into his reality and the reality of the times. And I believe that that may be, we have that we live in the same conundrum for a different reason. We live in the conundrum of when we go out there, 
we're living in a rational world. And how much sense does it make out there that very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. You see, when Jesus tells Nicodemus this, Nicodemus hears what he says literally. Right? That's hence the question. How can I crawl back into the womb and be born a second time? And I think that's the key to this whole reading for me. I think what Jesus is saying here is if you take everything that I say, if you take everything in Scripture literally and at face value, you're missing the point. Water and spirit. Think about water for a minute. It's the most essential material for life that we have on earth. You can live a lot longer without food than you can live without water. It's absolutely essential. It's formless unless given a shape, unless it finds a low spot and forms a pool, or you turn on your tap at home and fill a glass of water. Water is given shape even though it's formless. And by the way, drink lots of water. Really good for you, especially this time of year. But it is the elixir of life, right? Without it, we die. And wind. Water, Jesus says that water and wind are the way that we receive the Holy Spirit. And I think that is so beautiful because how else could Jesus speak to Nicodemus? How else could Jesus speak to us and explain this in any way that makes sense to our minds? No, Jesus goes straight to the heart. Jesus goes straight to poetry, right? Water and wind. Now, once again, in this scientific world that we live in, we know what causes the wind, pressure differentials in the atmosphere, blah, blah, blah. But go outside and feel the wind. Have you felt it these last couple weeks? I was up on the top of Snow King the other day, and it was just howling up there, and I felt the presence of something way more powerful than me, something that I couldn't understand, something that just blew life through me. So, what can we do? Water and wind? The Holy Spirit born from above? I, I say we bathe in it. You know, I say we bathe in the water, we bathe in the wind, and we try to leave this sense this world has been demystified for us. And I say that we can claim that mystery again. And I would say that that is what Jesus is encouraging us to do here, is to claim the mystery of the Spirit and not to explain it, because when we explain it, all we succeed in doing is explaining it away.
Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. And I think that what we believe is not just a set of creeds. It's not just a set of statements. If we believe in Jesus, it shows in how we live our lives. So how can we live our lives in the Spirit? And how can we live our lives in God? I'm going to leave you with a question. And that's it. Where do you find the Spirit? Where do you feel the Spirit? Where do you see the Spirit? I know where I'm seeing it right now. And I'm seeing it in all of your faces here today. Because when we're open to the mystery of God and the mystery of the Spirit... This is where we find salvation. And salvation for me means radical freedom. Salvation to me means the freedom to love and to be loved. So where do you feel the Spirit this week? Where do you feel the Spirit today? Where do you find your salvation? Amen.